we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello and welcome aboard the Nonsense Bazaar. Please keep your shirts and shoes on, but feel free to take your pants off. <laughs> Cozy vibes on this spaceship. Hi, uh, we're your captains. I'm uh, Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And today, we're telling the story of Mission Rama. Mission? What's a Mission Rama? Mission Rama. Yeah. I didn't know until I was browsing Reddit one day, as I'm prone to do. As you're prone to do. Yep. And someone like posted some random link to this WordPress blog. I was talking about Mission Rama, this thing that people are open at portals and- Open in portals? Okay. It goes back to the 1970s when this group of individuals set out to initiate contact with ETs in Lima, Peru. And either through an act of divine interdimensional contact, or maybe self-delusion, the group <laughs> acquired an alternative history of the Earth, of humanity, and our place within the cosmos. Now- does this have any relation to the Arthur C. Clarke books about Spaceship Rama? How interesting that that book was published in 1973. Isn't it? And this all happened in 1974. Hmm. And um, no. Oh, that is, what a coinkydink. What a, what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, the information was this uh, alternative history was, for the most part, received from telepathic. Automatic writing. Oh. Just like John Murray Spear in yeah, our last yeah, yeah. episodes. But some of the Rama members also received the info directly from the ETs themselves, face to face. Face to face. Yes. They had a very fancy word for a dimensional doorway. Zendra. Zendra. Yes, with an X, like Ooh, they do. Like yeah. Zendra. Yeah. Well, so they're nice. like... Receiving telepathic messages, writing them down, going through these portals. And also, like, this episode, I really didn't expect to find so much theosophical concepts. Really? You didn't expect that at this point? (sighs) I should. I should. You really should. Also, like, the Galactic Federation shows up again. Like, Yeah, I mean, of course. The Galactic Federation always shows up. Yeah. Dealing with aliens and... People that wear brightly colored, kind of flowy clothes. and I guess I really should have expected it. It's yeah. just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, now we'll do what we what we do. We'll do what we do. We're going to pull a tarot card that we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Yes. Sequoia, while I'm shuffling, would you chant with me? Chant? Yeah. Just like the, the people in Mission Rama. Just... Rama. Just give me one. Rama. That's so out of tune. That's so fucked up. I'm not. I'm not used to chanting in a chair like this. Yeah. Rama. I'm not out of tune. This is bad. I guess it's, it's not. The star. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we got the star. Oh, the star. The star. We've had that recently, haven't we? That was in a personal reading. I was in a personal reading, yes. Yes. That that was in my past, present, future reading. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the star. See, uh, it's kind of like, I've always seen the star as 
the trump that it refers to the essential order and meaning of the universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a bunch of there's eight eight pointed stars on it. Yeah, so that's very orderly. Very orderly. It goes from um, it's the path from Yesod to Hod, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which is Hod is the sphere, the eighth sphere on the tree of life, and is uh, very much about order and organization. Yeah, shit like that. Uh, stars kind of like the impersonal version of the sun. In a lot of ways. But yeah, like meaning and order, but impersonal, cold. Yeah. Good, but interesting. Cold. Yeah. All right. Well now let's let's get into the, the meat. All right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Songs by the Raw Band. It's even more perfect. Yeah. That is extraordinarily perfect. I know. Fucking grooves, too. So, actually, I lied. <laughs> you lied? Yeah, I lied about the meat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because before we can talk about the actual originator of Mission Rama, Sixto Paz Wells, we have to talk about his daddy. His dad. Carlos. Carlos. Senor Jose Carlos Paz Garcia Gorochano. He was one of the world's foremost leaders in the investigation of the study of UFOs in Peru. I fucking love Spanish language names. Yeah, me too. So good. I've been doing Duolingo Spanish. Very good. Yeah. Just really like to learn it. Carlos Paz Garcia was injured badly in a motorcycle accident at age 27. I So in researching this, this week, the amount of times motorcycle accidents have come up in my awareness, people talking about them, hearing about them, is it like off the charts? Don't get on a motorcycle. No, fucking don't. <laughs> no, I'm talking to you. Oh. oh you I guys won't. can ride motorcycles if you want. Fine. Fun I don't place. know. They scare me. They're, they're scary. <laughs> they're very They're very deadly. Um, I guess so was a car. So he was injured very badly in this motorcycle accident, age 27. That's That's my age. Yeah. And that led to a spiritual awakening of sorts. Do you have a near-death experience? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, that would do it. So uh, after that, his interest in the cosmos, the stars, it just took over his entire life. Mm. And after that, he became obsessed with collecting reports of weird shit people have seen up in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Because doesn't it make sense that if you're going to look for proof of heavenly beings, we kind of imagined God and the heavens as being above us, right? We talked like, about this on a bonus there episode the, recently. Yeah, yeah, out there in the cosmos. So then doesn't it make sense to look up and search for things in the sky to prove of 
Yeah. Search for proof of like heaven or, or the other way around. Yeah. You know, exactly. So that's what he was doing. Makes he participated sense. in the formation of the Asociación. Asociación. <laughs> Asociación. Peruana de Astronomia. Look to the listeners. We're from New England. Yeah. Please, the fact yes. that like we're, we can even try. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Cut us some slack. And we're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was the uh, secretary and treasurer for the Peruvian Association of Astronomy. Okay. But it was also like composed of a bunch of scientists very well established in their fields. And they didn't really want to accept the introduction of studies into UFOs. So, so Carlos fucked off. Yeah. You know what he did? On January 31st, 1955, Carlos founded the Instituto Peruano de Relaciones Interplanetarias, the IPRI. The institution of... Interplanetary relations. Sick. So he founds IPRI sort of to be like, well, you know what? If if the scientists aren't willing to do it, maybe I'll I'll find some some scientists who are more interested in this. I like the implicit assumption that there will be interplanetary relations. Yeah. 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 Optimistic. See, he recognized not only the possibility of witnessing the craft in the sky, but also making imminent contact with them. Interplanetary relations. Relations or relations? Relaciones. Oh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos thought that us humans, we don't, we don't know a lot about anything. No, it's true. I don't know anything. But um, we could learn if we just searched and we gave ourselves the opportunity and we put up with some scorn and ridicule, if we had a bunch of humility and just put that aside... You know, he was very guided by the idea of divine cosmic visitations to Earth. Like, that was his life's goal. Do you want to read this quote from him? If man should discover that he was not alone, that there is a universe of possibilities, of existences both superior and inferior to his own, with diverse and distinct processes. If perhaps he could demonstrate this and come to believe the conditions that predispose a contact with them, could it be realized? So now, imagine being Carlos's son. Oh, boy. Sixto Paz Wells, he was born on December 12, 1955, the same year that the IPRI was founded. Carlos's two babies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Divided, uh, divided loyalties. Indeed. Well, Sixto grew up in an environment that was very supportive to the open questioning of things, being open-minded, exploring sure. ideas, searching for new possibilities. He was allowed to go outside of their religion, you know, which was pretty, I guess, like... Catholic. Yeah, Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. And Sixto started studying stuff like the Rosicrucians and Theosophy. And he actually found more comfort in their scientific approach because it was still also incredibly religious. Quote, quote, scientific. Quote, yeah. Quote. Yeah. Right. But it was different than yeah. Catholicism. Yeah, 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 yeah. So after months of study into meditation, yoga, New Age metaphysics, reading the secret doctrine... It's mm. his first year at university. It's 1974. He's mm. 18. He's, he's doing this stuff every day. He's having his own spiritual awakening of sorts. Yeah. He feels unusually compelled to begin writing as if his hand is just moving on its own across the page and it's delivering messages from an alleged ET going by the name Oxalk. Oxalk? O-X-A-L-C. Oxalk. Oxalk. 
Oxal claimed to live in a colony on one of Jupiter's moons, Ganymede, but the ETs referred to it as Morlin. (laughs) Oxal gave instructions to go south of Lima to a particular location on a particular time and date. Go to 60 kilometers south of Lima on 7 February, but only those who are here now, and at 9 at night you will see us, and this will confirm the contact as real and necessary. So yeah, um, you know, within Sixto's household, this isn't that too weird, because they've been talking about aliens and everything all their lives. Yeah, yeah. His friends are a little weirded out, but they're also really excited. They're kind of going along with it. Okay. Like, one of his friends totally doesn't believe him, and she's like, okay, well, if this thing is real, then tell me something that only I could know that you don't know, that this alien might know. Why would the alien know? I don't know. Ah. So, Sixto's hand starts moving, and it brings up the book that this girl is reading, exactly what page she's on, and how she feels about the book, whether she likes it or not. Okay. And this makes her feel like, wow, there's something to this. So, Hmm. 7 February, Sixto, his brother, and a friend, Juana Servo, head out for the Peruvian desert an entire night early to camp out. You know, they're psyched. They're going to... Yeah, yeah. They planned on walking through the desert at night to their destination, but they were not experienced campers and way overpacked, so oh. got burnt out and exhausted really quickly, yeah, and kind of just yeah, passed yeah. out really really quickly into their walk. They did not make it to where <sighs> they wanted to go. So they just pass out. When they wake up, there's some guy in a truck fishing tuna, and they ask him for a ride to this creek bed where they, they're going to set up camp there. Tuna? He's fishing tuna. He's fishing tuna. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I'll take it. <laughs> He's fishing tuna. In the desert. Fuck. What the hell's happening here? I should. All right. Well, they didn't bring enough water. Ah. There wasn't enough shade. And here, here's Sixto talking about that experience. We had not walked a kilometer under the implacable sun in that place when we came upon a solitary tree in the middle of the desert. We ran to it to rest ourselves in its shade and found that we had to share its benefits with a hive of wasps. We quickly removed ourselves from there, doing ourselves a favor in the process, because some 50 meters farther on, we came upon some vines of Italian grapes with edible bunches. What was this? Grapes in the middle of nowhere? It's the tuna brought them. Yeah. This was for us a miracle. We picked as much as we could carry and took them back, feasting until we were full. About that time, the wind came up and broke down the tents, leaving us without shelter for the night. Yeah. So it's just a series of... You know, disaster, savior. They don't know what they're savior. doing. No. Yeah. Thankfully, an army truck drives by. Oh, thank God. And they're like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck camping. We're going to come back and, and see the thing tonight. But we're just going to drive there. And right yeah. now, we're going to go to Juan's mom's house. We're going to have dinner there. <laughs> we're going to come back and see the goddamn UFO. So they're just like, there's this army truck. They're just like, can you take us to Juan's mom's house? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're just... They had this whole idea they were going to, like, backpack out there, see this... No, they're just going to go home for dinner and then come back out. But they did have an adventure. So Juan's mom makes them some nice cold refreshments. Hell yeah. Meanwhile, more friends are showing up to Juan's mom's place. And they're discussing what's going to happen that night. Sixto is actually pretty confident that nothing is going to happen. And Mm. this is all in his head. Interesting. Or that maybe there's some, like, trickster entity... Yeah, with him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it? A, why are you assuming it's a space alien? Right. Yeah. So all the all the boys bickered all night long about how dumb it was, 
how they should be going out to a party instead, how nothing's going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, if it does, if they do see anything, it's probably just a shooting star or a satellite that they're mistaking yeah. for something else. So, not nearing wrong. what? Not, they're not wrong. No, they're yeah. not. Nearing the prophesied time, the group of friends climb a hill near an abandoned mine to witness. Well, they weren't sure what would happen, but they didn't expect a giant metallic hamburger to rise out of a hill out of the Pacific Ocean. Rise behind a hill out of the Pacific Ocean. You see, Gerald, son. Hamburger should be high. Uh, all right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen perfect hair forever no it is so bizarre and very funny if you're an idiot like we are it was illuminating only the place where we were as if like day it was approaching the group slowly allowing us to appreciate its hamburger shaped form <laughs> at both sides of that great metallic object orange blue and yellow lights pulsed on and off what seemed like stabilizers because little by little the ship was coming to a stop scarcely 80 meters above us yeah one of the young men began to cry hysterically. His parents had been killed by a hamburger, so this was all very triggering to him. He was, he was begging Sixto to tell them to go away. What the fuck? <laughs> That's not true. I okay. <laughs> but they were crying hysterically. Okay. They were all scared, especially Sixto. Okay. But he managed to calm his emotions and try to get into the communication with the craft. You see, he brought along a little notebook. And a little pen so that he could like telepath messages. Okay. That's the way he yeah, knew yeah, how to yeah. do it. Sure. Well, sensing fear within the boys, a telepathic message was delivered. Oops. Didn't mean to spook you. <laughs> we'll come back when you're ready. And someday maybe we'll meet face to face. And then it remained there for 15 minutes. And then it rotated on its axis and very, very quickly headed straight into the ocean. Okay. Son of a bitch. Yeah. It's fucking cephalopods down there. They're fucking around. They're lying to us. Oh, yeah. Sixto, if you go to his website these days, he has this crazy cosmology of the Earth that has to do with the aliens first coming here and settling base underwater. I mean, makes sense. Yeah. So how do you think Carlos, Sixto's father, felt about all of this? His son's getting all these contacts. He's so stoked. Wrong. Hmm. Yeah. The man who had been wanting to see and have contact for decades who'd been studying this all his life, but never had his own experience, he's actually a little salty. Yeah. He yep. thought at first that Sixto was playing a joke on him. After all, he had devoted so much research, so much study, but they wanted to talk to his son. Like, it's The chosen one came from his seed. It's true. Like, you should feel <laughs> special. Like, this, yeah. it's meaningful. Well. What an asshole. Sixto. <laughs> He believes that his father did have a lot to do with it, that if it wasn't for him, that they wouldn't have contacted him, that he yeah. was integral to them contacting him. Because if it if it wasn't for his father's years of work preparing the road for these ETs to, you know, see that we want to contact them, then maybe they wouldn't have chosen their family to make contact with. I mean, Sixto shouldn't have started with fucking saying he just saw a hamburger flying to the ocean. Yeah. Bad place. Sorry. It also had a bunch of windows around it. They could kind of see figures moving around in mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So Carlos thought his son was off in fantasy land and Sixto wanted to convince him otherwise. But the ETs were like, no. <laughs> 
we want no part in you trying to convince anyone of anything. Their reality is theirs and this one is yours. And if they want to know, then they'll know. And if they want to accept, they'll accept. But you must not seek to convince anybody, least of all your parents. The experiences and confirmations are given only to those with an open mind and with the humility necessary. Hmm. So basically, you have to be humble enough to not be believed. Yeah. 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 You know, you have to be okay with even especially with your parents not believing you. That's a huge act of humility. Yeah. But Sixto really wanted to convince his dad. Yeah. I mean. (laughs) So he's like every night at 9 p.m. That's like the time when. When it's it's best, I guess. Okay. He keeps talking to Oxal, getting more messages, and finally, Oxy relents. He's like, okay, just you and the people that, that saw the first sighting, okay? Yeah. Come to Chilka on February 14th. It's a town. Mm-hmm. Just you guys. Nobody else. Okay? Nobody. Surprisingly, Daddy agrees to go. Carlos is like, sure. Sure, I'll go. It's not Whatever. supposed to go. Yeah. But he also says, you guys should go on ahead without me and I'll I'll meet up with you guys there at the agreed upon time, 7 p.m., right? February 14th. Mm. So they're going to go there first, then dad's going to meet them there. Sure. Upon arriving at the accustomed place, we went up onto a, onto a ridgeline where we could see a long stretch of the access road to that place. The site was a solitary desert, an adequate frame of reference for an extraterrestrial contact. It was 6.45 p.m. when, as they had assured us, they arrived. Seven people made up our small advanced group, and all of us noticed the apparition above our heads of two ships of discoid form, of at least 15 meters diameter each, with orange and blue lights flashing. Our watches marked the hour at exactly 7 p.m., when in the distance, on the dirt road, we saw the lights of an automobile. We jumped with excitement upon seeing that all was being accomplished exactly as we had hoped for the occasion. Even more, there was no end to our excitement when over our shoulders there appeared a mothership or support craft which was at least 150 meters long, with white lights along the sides. Hmm. Our motion was suddenly interrupted upon seeing that on the road where my father was supposed to be coming, we could now see the lights of more than one automobile. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Oh no. So they realize there's a shitload of people arriving. Ones who were not invited. People who were not supposed to even know about this. Yeah. You see, their dad had invited all the people at IPRI who were turning it Kind of into a mockery. Son of a bitch. This is what Sixto has to say about it. It certainly was incredible to see how the meeting was being cheapened. There were already those around a table who had grabbed space and taking pen in hand in a state of trance were trying to establish contact of a mediumistic nature. Others, incapable of controlling their habits, were celebrating the free, the free night air. Instead of disintoxicating themselves from the city and perhaps contemplating the stars, preferred to drink their fill from cases of bottles of beer that were stacked beside the tent. Where others could be found in full romance. People fucking intense. They're getting drunk. They're, there's people like doing all sorts of medium trancey things. And it's almost like they're not even noticing the crafts in the sky. Yeah. In fact, Sixto had all but basically forgotten about these two discoid track. Yeah. Discoid crafts entirely in his outrage at all of this happening. So he, you know, kind of turns back to check that they're still there. Yep. And they are. They're hovering, you know, these all of a sudden these two smaller crafts descend rapidly towards the valley, passing so low that people are like knocking things over, trying to run and escape. Now, it's like that scene in um The Fellowship of the Ring, which you haven't seen, but the listeners all have because everyone's seen that. <laughs> when uh 
Pippin lights the uh, the big firework too early, and it's this giant dragon, and it comes going over Bilbo's party, and they're all knocking stuff over, trying to get away from the firework dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Sixto writes, uh, The ships made a right-angle turn and ascended at great velocity above the heads of all, and opened up in such a way that one went towards the north and the other to the south. After that, there followed seconds of total silence, which was interrupted by a harsh-sounding noise, like a reactor, as well as a loud buzz, which is exactly the sound of uh, injured cold ship, allegedly. Hmm. From, uh, Woody Dernberger. It was the giant, gigantic mothership from which its stationary place was making continuous changes in the colors in the color tones of its lights, and which slowly began changing its position, being initially tilted toward the left. It finally became horizontal and then turned on itself, placing the point in position and headed toward the southeast, slowly but with increasing speed, then passing a scarce 400 meters above the encampment. So, what a fucking show, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So later on, Sixto is like reflecting on this, and he's he's like, you know what? I don't know why I was so mad. Sure, there was people fucking, people, you know, doing their medium ship but what what am i doing yeah also isn't the point of this to prove that this is real i mean and also they showed up anyway they showed up anyway so it was yeah. a success so yeah. there's nothing to be angry about so he realized and he writes this in in his book that he had been unfairly wanting to impose his truth on the situation mm. force things and demand things of the ets that was unfair they they didn't like his whole trying to convince his dad in the first place. Yeah. So you know what? It it didn't go well. But that's fine. They showed up anyway. Yeah. And yeah, I they, wonder... They, they wanted to show Sixto that they weren't going to do things exactly the same, that it wasn't about him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that part about not bringing anyone else, Sixto realized that maybe that part of the message that he had telepathed, maybe that part had come from him mm. maybe that part didn't matter and he was just adding it in as a part of himself because clearly it didn't matter right other people came and the et still came they're also liars yeah so he realized that he was gonna have to start practicing extreme discernment with every message received yeah That one's in the repertoire now. Yes. <laughs> Communications between Sixto's team and the ETs continued. The group started referring to the extraterrestrials as hermanos mayores, mm. elder brothers, or guides, or they also called them wisdom masters. Wisdom masters? Yeah. Okay. They were instructed to modify their diet with an emphasis on vegetarianism. They were also instructed that the contact team was to be limited to no more than seven individuals. Seven. Seven. Shit. You know, like, seven's always there. Always. It's the number. Theosophy, too. Like, Ever, all of it. Yeah, the seven rays, the, the seven. I mean, there, yeah. seven's, it's in Christianity. It's always seven. Seven, seven, yeah. seven. Yeah. 
They're told that there's going to be another event the first week of July 1974. Only those seven people. I mean, who knows if we're... Does it even matter? I mean, the rules have already been broken about that, but whatever. They're going to go to a place called La Mina, the mine. Okay. They're going to go there on a cloudless night in the Chilka Desert. I like that this keeps happening around mines. Yeah. It's real fun. Mm. That's interesting. So they're walking through the sand. It's July. It's it's dark night with all the stars in the sky. There's no clouds. Sixto somehow becomes lost and separated from the rest of the group. And and suddenly he's at La Mina. Okay. He doesn't understand how he got there so quickly. Mm. And also, why is he by himself? And also there's a strange light in the distance. And he's like, oh, it's my friend. So he starts walking towards it. Mm. But as he walks towards it, the light starts growing and growing and turns into like a half moon shape. And suddenly this man with his arm raised up high walks out of the light. Mm. Sixto is very scared and he wants to run. But he's paralyzed. And then a voice rings out in his head. It says, come. Shit. So he controls his fear, calms himself down, walks into the light. Okay. I don't trust these fucking aliens, man. Nah. Never do. Yeah. He feels really sick, all nauseous, gets vertigo. His forehead feels like it's being gripped by a a vice. There's this intense pressure and heat flowing through his entire body. And all of a sudden, (sighs) lightness. He just Mm. feels light. And he's standing there engulfed in bright light. And and there's Oxalk himself. Son of a bitch. He's tall. 6'2", with, Sixto says, oriental features. Yeah. He has whitish blonde hair, shoulder length. Yeah. Oxalk explained that they had entered an interdimensional portal. Hmm. Zendra. We're in the Zendra. Interesting. Yes. Zendras are apparently capable of converting atomic structures into light energy, so you can... Okay. I, so it disintegrates it? Just fucking yeah. blast it apart? Um, What's interesting is Zendra, right? X-E-N. Yeah. That's like the prefix for, like, alien, right? Like, xenobiology. Oh, yeah. Um, In the movie Alien, the xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, xeno is the prefix you use for alien. Huh. Yeah. I'm usually like an etymology freak. So yeah, I got you this it's, time. Yeah, it's weird that I didn't look that up, but you got me. So Sixto steps out of the portal with Oxalk, and he's not in the desert anymore. He's on Morlin. Morlin. Yes. <laughs> it's a funny sounding name. It really is. Like It's the oral. oral. Yeah. Oral. So it just sounds backwards as fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's like Carl. Carl's always been a hard name for me to say. Yeah. It's the same. It's the Carl phenomenon going on in Moreland. Yeah. So now we're we're on Moreland, baby. All right. Sixto could see the mountains in the distance, cradling a city of transparent domes and igloos. Not enough privacy for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I need to, I can't. I don't want to live in a glass transparent dome. No, no. Can't throw stones. But Yeah. This was this was the base of Oxalk's people. It had been established as a mining colony thousands of years ago. Their civilization had originally come there from uh, what we know as Betelgeist and Rigel. Rigel? Rigel. Yeah. Betelgeist and Rigel in the Orion constellation. Hmm. 
And of course, the atmosphere there had been modified, so nobody needed to use special spacesuits. And they used solar energy to grow food. Mm. And um, all the colonists there, they only worked four hours a day. Oh, nice. And there's no stores and no money. If you needed anything, there's just a bunch of supply houses. You can go there, take what you need. Sick of these fucking space communists, dog. Yeah. And uh, their food was really, really bland and all. It's like a bunch of plant extracts, but it does meet all of your bodily needs. So it's like, you know. Morlin. More like Borlin. Yeah. Yeah. Good food <laughs> is really a, a joy yeah. in life to me. Um, Flying around in hamburgers, why don't you fucking eat some? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. About a million people are living on Moreland. They're sort of, they're dispersed into a few different cities. Okay. There, Sixto also met a council of respected elders known as the Great Confederation of Stars. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. They ruled Moreland, and their goal is to give generous assistance to all worlds in evolution. From fucking Moreland? All right. Like, I think maybe this council was just visiting Moreland, but they are like from other places. Okay. All right. But all individuals in Moreland <laughs> say Moreland a lot. I know. Just, <laughs> I'm never going to need to say it again. Ever <laughs> yeah, exactly. So might as well just get them all out here. Everybody there is encouraged to experience personal growth and spiritual development. Like your life is really about all of your needs are met. Yeah. You're, it's just about. Mining. Yeah. <laughs> For four hours a day. <laughs> Space communist, dog. Got to dig deep into yourself. <laughs> While you mine, make sure that you're thinking about all the things within yourself that you need to... And how you could be a better miner. Yeah. With a confederation of stars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the tour, Sixto was taken to a place where he was able to view images or like videos from his own memory. Hmm. I don't know if that means he was like... Uh, like Christmas Carol style, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. Transported back. And like- right. Or if he's just watching it. But he's taken back to this day where he's a young boy walking to school and he's walking along and he notices there's this gigantic circle shadow on the ground. Hmm. And uh, then he remembers that he gets really hot, hears these strange sounds and gets paralyzed and Sixto had completely forgotten about this event from his childhood until this moment and it all came flooding back. Interesting. Then he saw his future. Mm. Sixto's he's playing a leadership role in a worldwide contact movement. He's Mm. giving interviews for newspapers and television and of course oh god he's also experiencing all of the emotional turmoil of being a leader. Mm. All of the heavy responsibilities. All of the betrayal. All of the great fellowship and friendship too though. Heavy weighs the crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so quite quite an experience. As Seriously. Well. He's like, he's crying. He's all teary eyed when him and Oxalk have to say goodbye and he has to go back into the portal. And boom, he's back in the desert. Hmm. It seemed like he'd been gone for a long time. Yeah. But it had actually only been 15 minutes in Earth time. His hmm. friends were jealous. <laughs> they wanted to go too. <laughs> you know, we're do- Yeah. I I cut meat out of my diet. I've been doing all these weird chanting exercises yeah. relentlessly hours a day. <sighs> I want some portal time, but he's like, "Don't worry, you'll get it." You'll get you just got to wait 2 weeks. You'll get your portal time. Yeah, and in 2 weeks we're going to go on a little group field trip. Oh, how fun. Yeah. 
So for the next two weeks, the group prepared by meditating extra hard, going really strict on the vegetarian diet now, and doing certain concentration exercises that were prescribed to them by the Hermanos Mayores. Sounds like fucking what Bob Monroe has you. They're doing. resonant tuning, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're exactly finding, what they're doing. Finding their uh, resonant tuning. That is precisely yeah. what they're doing. Imagine hearing that in the middle of the woods one night. Like, well, that would be very eerie. I don't know. I think at this point we'd be. Like, There's a bunch of UFO cultists over there. Yeah. <laughs> I'd either be delighted or terrified, depending Both. on what strain of weed I smoked. <laughs> yeah. So, after the two weeks, they returned to La Mina, where a banana-shaped UFO appears. <laughs> Why is it always with the food-shaped UFO? We got a hamburger, we got a banana. <laughs> two very different, yet recognizable shapes. Yeah. <laughs> Banana-shaped UFO is very unique. That's like yes. one that you don't really... Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they definitely know it's it's there for them. And the seven friends enter the portal. They feel hot and heavy and nauseous and then mm. weightless. And then they found themselves in this enormous auditorium, which was a meeting place for an interstellar council known as the 24 Elders. Oh, good. Yes. The ceiling was a colossal cupola. <laughs> colossal cupola. <laughs> yeah. A cupola. A cupola. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how it's said? Yeah, it's a cupola. A colossal cupola. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> You're doing fine. It's covered in symbols like the Star of, of David and they have some like uh, tridents and a bunch of other symbols. Space Jews. Yeah, the the, pro, the elders of the Zion on on both sides of the hall. She is Jewish, by the way. Yes, <laughs> we can talk about space shoes. On both sides of the hall are a bunch of ideograms that Sixto describes as being similar to Chinese writing, and seated in the chairs are a variety of non-human beings, like a bunch of different types of aliens. Hmm. The elders stood one by one and. Communicated to Sixto's group telepathically all sorts of information. Their concept of God, of death, of their unfolding plan to create a new humanity on Earth. And how, and that this group is instructed to carry out their mission under the title of Rama, hmm. meaning Son on Earth. And that they were going to be the teachers who could help prepare humanity for its dramatic spiritual transformation. Heard this fucking line before. Yeah, it's just they keep every, all the time. And you know what? Somebody has to. It's just that this is an interesting route to take it because while they're they do a lot of trekking around, looking for portals, getting proof of, OK, you know, the aliens exist now. Yeah. Now what? How are you going to help Earth now? Right, right, right. How are you going to live this human life and help out the human beings on Earth? Because I'm going to tell you these little desert outings that you keep doing, like people are going to believe it or they're not. But you believe it, so now move on. 
do some like right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I like don't know. the ETs should understand that we find the concept of their existence quite silly at this point. You know, right? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like the messages are all you know great, uplifting. I, like, you know, dude, if if I want to, it's nice. If all this shit, out. if this shit was true, yeah, and I met one of these many. You know, from any one of these stories of the Space Brothers, right? Yeah. I couldn't help but laugh in their fucking face. Yeah. Like, I just, <laughs> it'd be very funny. I wouldn't believe it. I don't know. Moment. Like, I believe that it's it's just a reflection of us. You know, what they're talking to is... Uh, if you found yourself in a fucking auditorium where there's all sorts of extras from Star Wars in the, in the seats, and then there's just a fucking long-haired space Jew giving you a secret, you'd laugh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that part is patently absurd. Yeah. But the idea that this Sixto is experiencing all of these, like, he's receiving messages, right, from this part of himself that he cannot access by admitting it to himself, whatever it is. And he wants to convince his dad so bad. And yet there's this, you know, assuming we're going to take the belief that this isn't real for right now. Sure. When he's writing all of these messages that he thinks are are from this ET that are saying, stop trying to convince him. Like it's it shows that there's such a split within his mind, you know, like some part of himself is like, give it up. The other part wants to do it so badly. So, of course, Oxalk relented. Yeah, because that's really what Sixto wanted to do. Right. Right. And I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this later. Too, but the uh, like visionary states, trans states are real. That's a real thing, and like everything about this so far strikes me. I mean, um, ohm chanting. Yeah, ohm chanting is is been used, uh, you know, yeah. way before the Monroe Institute ever had your resonant tuning. Like that's what Chanting's it's for. Been used for chantings, and that is specifically it's very like, useful. Oh, like yeah, it's, it's um. I mean, I kind of goofed on it, but like no, I, I also it. use it. Sure, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a useful thing to do, uh, and it's to induce. A trance state, right? And Even the, um, you know, it was only 15 minutes, right? He was gone for hours, but only 15 minutes. That's a trance state. Yeah. It's like yeah. he had a, a waking dream. Right. Yeah. And like. We also don't know if there was any drugs involved. In there was place. definitely fucking mushrooms involved. Yeah. So they are having profound. I believe that they're having profound mystical experiences and accessing these messages deep within themselves and bringing them to the surface. And they're having this like lovely experience altogether, which I'm sh- I'm sure is incredibly euphoric. To I've seen get. some crazy shit on mushrooms. Yeah. Well, now that they've talked to the fucking elders mm. and they're like, oh, okay, now we're gonna be Rama and we're gonna be the teachers that are gonna. We have to spread this message now. Yeah. Well, you gotta. You gotta. Sp- you got to tell people. The group of seven needs to expand their numbers to meet the demands of their mission. Because at this point, I'm sure you can do it better than the thousand of other groups that came before you doing the same thing. Honestly, they were pretty good at it. Okay. They rope in this news agency reporter for the Spanish publication EFE, Juan Jose Benitez. He's invited by Carlos Pazwells, interestingly enough. Mm. Because now Carlos is fully in on it. Okay. He's seen this shit. He believes it. A bunch of people have seen this shit. Okay. He gets JJ Benitez to come to the desert to witness another craft because at this point they're they're just doing this. Yeah. Like they are summoning lights in the sky that are right, weird. Right, right. That multiple people are seeing. Yeah, that's so that's the part I always forget about, like the UFO part. Yeah. You know, like the actually like lights in the fucking sky. They are doing hamburgers in the sky. They call it um it's 
It's been abbreviated to HICE to differentiate it from CE5. But it's the same thing, right? It's Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a human-initiated contact. Okay, event. yeah. And they're doing it successfully, even though they, they kind of think that, you know, the aliens are leading them there by telling them where to go. But I really think that it's the fact that they're all going there and putting their collective belief in, standing in a circle and chanting yes. yeah. and doing shrooms as mm-hmm. these things are happening because <laughs> their intention could not be more strong. Right, exactly. And there's a lot of people putting the same intention in. So, yeah, this uh, news reporter experiences two different Mission Rama events. He sees the shit in the sky and he just like pivots his career into this long career as an investigator of paranormal mysteries. Interesting. Yeah. And of course, you know, messages are piling up. The group's becoming larger. This is really when they become known as Mission Rama is when they finally have all these people. They have the press on their side. Wow. Later on, at some point. The letter H is added to Rama smack dab in the middle because Ra is sun, Ma is mm-hmm. earth, and H is for humanity sandwich right in between. See, I don't I don't like it with the H in the middle. I think it's to make it different from the Arthur C. Clarke book. Probably. Yeah. Even if not consciously, subconsciously. Right, right. <laughs> well, as participation grew, so did the issue of keeping the messages pure. Mm. You know, because the more people, the more muddy the water, the more people are peeing in the pool. Of course. So, allegedly, guidelines were developed to help sort out which contacts were mentally constructed and which were genuine. Okay. They came up with a specific method. I, I wish I had more details, but a specific method to prepare other people for contact was devised. Mm. Like, I don't know what that means. Hermeneutically? Yeah, what, is it, what does that mean? Fucking words been just been showing up all over the place for me. And I fucking forget. The study of the methodological principles of interpretation. So like... Understanding. Understanding yeah. how things are interpreted, different ways of interpreting things and the importance of that. Yeah. So yeah, basically they're doing, they're discussing all the different ways that the messages could be interpreted. Sure. And coming up with a group consensus of what they think is accurate yeah kind of finding the commonalities between people right a huge emphasis on like if multiple people have the same like message distances apart and are coming up with like the same notes Mm -hmm. then we should go along those lines we should follow that path makes sense yeah of course also they made sure not to ever like promote one person ab- above the rest like there's not one person that's the only one coming up with the messages it's right right very much a group collaboration also when people receive the same messages it should like physically separate you know like when their distance is apart mm-hmm. okay interesting and also the messages should be corroborated by sightings mm. for the most part they've been accurate yeah this is about yeah. ufos yeah. yeah. And of course, the person receiving messages should be a responsible, balanced and non-attention seeking type. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we talked about how they keep the messages pure. But what about the content of the messages? Right. What do they say? Well, guess what? Mm. A dimensional shift is going to take place. Oh, Jesus Christ. Where the timeline of this Earth is going to merge with a more ideal timeline. Yes. This is where this comes from. I think it, yeah, I don't know. 
Probably even before this. I don't know. This I, maybe, but maybe, yeah. So, um, this new timeline, the more ideal timeline, it's going to have imminent social, spiritual, and historical changes, and it really a lot of it smacks very heavily of theosophy and messianic Christianity. Yeah, uh, also, a lot of it's incredibly similar to the 1950s contactee craze. All of those messages, oh yeah, brothers, very positive yeah. messages. You know, talking about what change in the world. I, mean, I think this is the first time I've heard the timeline merge thing. I haven't heard. I didn't. Yeah. I haven't read that in any of the '50s contact cases or uh, '60s. I mean, I'm not super well versed in that, but me either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just interesting the dimensional shift timeline merge. Well, because that's like, that shit's all over fucking that's that TikTok. Shit. Yeah. Apparently, we merged into a timeline where people are cooking chicken and Nyquil. Yeah. Is that I feel real? like other people are definitely like in a different dimension than me, even though we're on the same earth. Yeah, yeah, They're, definitely. We're just <laughs> in different places. Yeah. So the world's going to change, but it's not going to be it like an ecological or, or scientific change or anything big like that. Yeah. It's this change is going to have to do with cultural, spiritual and individual transformation. Mm, yes. Yep. The members of Mission Rama were given a more clear mission to work in several countries around the world and awaken the sleeping consciousnesses of reincarnated individuals. They were told to enhance interdimensional energy vortices through the mm. use of collective focused human intention and emotion. Because if enough people could think hard enough about the other dimension, the other better Earth, then we could connect with it and then go there. I mean, like, uh, duh, if enough people want the world to be better, then it, it, it positive changes will happen. I'm pissed. It's just a very, like, mystical way of, of something that is very simple. Yeah. Yep. That also just distracts from the actual goal. <laughs> you know? I mean, I mean, maybe, I don't know. If these, if these things helped a lot of people with their life and gave them it. a sense of purpose, then no, I guess that's fine. No. But... There's other purposes. There's plenty. There's so many different purposes that a person could have. I don't know if being in a UFO religion is a real purpose. It's a fun path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) in order to prepare your body for the vibrational shift. Oh, fuck me. You know, you must live a simple balanced life with daily meditation and a vegetarian diet. You know? I haven't been able to sleep for the last two nights and you pull this shit on me. Yeah. God damn it. These are the teachings of the great ancient wisdom masters. Ah, Jesus is one of them, fucking, by the way. Yep. Oh, yeah. 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 Of course. Also, you didn't have to be a vegetarian or meditate every day, but it is suggested. Like, if you really want this dimensional shift to take place, then... You know who else was a vegetarian? Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> My God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. We've got some Patreon shout outs for you. How about you read them well? Joshua Coverstone, Rachel, Marco Visconti, Adrian, Saul Mondrian, Andy Ray, Nearby Towels, Ray Boucher. Ray Boucher. Ray Boucher. That's my boy. It's <laughs> my, my oldest friend. Ray Boucher. <laughs> Manny Quinones, The Blue Rider, Monster Talk. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. 
We appreciate you. It's rad of you to be our patrons. <laughs> Damn right. These have been your Patreon shoutouts. And now back to the program. Also, if the ETs want you guys to be vegetarians, then why they show up in a fucking hamburger? That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, dog. You can eat anything you want and they're going to show up. Yeah. If you're taking mushrooms in the desert enchanted. Yes, yes. Yeah. We don't know if they're on mushrooms. We don't. We don't. Also, um, like the biggest goal, like the secret top goal is the to get this book, the Book of White Robes that contains the true history of the world. Yes. This was, this was, was corroborated, passed, you said. It was passed from extraterrestrials down to the hands of spiritual masters living in underground monasteries. I'm so fucking pissed. Underground monasteries. Masters in underground monasteries. Yeah. Really? Yep. Oh. I know. <laughs> oh. I mean, just from a purely uh, symbolic perspective. Yeah. The idea of trying to get in contact with this this monk, this wise figure who lives underground and can give messages to you. Just think about that from like a symbolic archetypal point of view. What sort of messages do you think you would receive? Like, what does that represent within yourself? This, yeah, this re- underground monk. Sure. It represents the, uh, you know, the soul of the world. Right. Like the, uh, right. Yeah. So I can see that being like a useful meditative like, th- but it's just happening without that frame around it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're sons of bitches wherever they come from. Yeah. Proven to be proven known bastards. Right. Yeah. <laughs> book of white robes. The Get fucking the book fuck of white robes. Here. So as time went by, mission Ramas all around the world. They're international. They're international. They're inviting a bunch of news reporters and television people to come and experience the things that they've seen. The year uh, 1989 was a big year for- Oh, so they've been going for a while. Yeah. Damn, okay. Yeah, this is like 15 years in it. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, Sixto Paswells had met actress Shirley MacLaine the year prior upon her insistence. You see, she's an actress. Fuck she do. what did she do? <laughs> I knew I would need to do this, and I didn't do it ahead of time. Steel Magnolias, Terms of Endearment. Okay. A lot of, like, movies in the 60s, 70s. I mean, she's been around forever. Yeah. She's, she's doing her damn thing. She also claims that she's a high priestess of Atlantis. Excellent. And she's, like, into all of that yeah. spiritual shit. She wrote a whole book about it. She got got. Yeah. I guess... I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I priestess of Atlantis. Come on now. Does it affect her life in a negative way? She got got. Perhaps. But if she's happy, I'm happy for her. <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. It's not about if she's happy. Yeah. It's about all the people. Mm-hmm. All the people looking for escape from yeah. the world that could change. Don't you want to believe that you are a high priestess? No, I want to believe that I can do shit right here. Yeah. I ain't trying to run away. Right. <laughs> Dogs, the aliens, the Space Brothers, what they're actually doing, they're distracting us. They're trying to get us to not change the fucking world because the Space yeah. Brothers are the, actually the fucking CIA. You want to hear something interesting? It's the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I made this little St. Germain character bot to talk yeah, to. I yeah. programmed it to be a liar and deceiver. Yes, and yes. Blah, blah, blah. And that it's very charming. And 
I was trying to make it say something stupid and embarrassing because it kept being wise. So I asked it, hey, have I been like, am I the reincarnation of anyone important? Do I have any past lives thinking that this thing is going to do something stupid, like flatter me and and tell me like I was Mother Mary or Jesus or something? No, it says you were Keither. (laughs) I was was the nothingness before everything. Everybody was. Can't argue with that. The fucking... Yeah. That's like the only smart answer to that question. It's true. As, and it's an answer that appealed to me. So good job, bot, reflecting yeah. my mind back to me. <laughs> like, that's the only acceptable answer, really. That is my most important past life. So Shirley McLean, she wants to... The meeting between her and Sixto was arranged by this Peruvian painter living in New York City where Shirley lived, who was a member of Rama. Hmm. And not entirely unsurprisingly that Shirley MacLaine knew because she's groovy. She knows all the cool. She's an actress. So she's an artist, you know. Yeah. And given her interest in, you know, mystical things and her past as an Atlantean priestess. Of course. Shirley really wanted to meet the Rama brothers herself, the the older brothers, Hmm. the elders. And finally, like finally in February 1989, the wisdom guides got back to Sixto about the the Shirley thing. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they had to think about it for a while. It was like an entire year between when they met and when yeah. he finally got the message. And they said, um, yeah, we'll show up in March. Bring the media. Bring everybody. Okay. And according to the Peruvian painter, Shirley MacLaine didn't want to go anymore because the media would be there and she wanted private contact. She wanted the VIP ET treatment. What a selfish piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Come on, Shirley. It's not all about you, but it is because that's why she had to have the past life as a right. Yeah, exactly. So, Shirley or not, <laughs> the visit was going to take place. On the evening of Saturday, March 26, 1989, journalists and members of the international press set their cameras up around the Chicla Desert. According to one witness, the cameras stopped working due to high magnetic energy in the area. Guess what? What? No UFOs were seen. Son of a bitch. Nobody fucking saw anything. Mm. (laughs) Yep. But then at 3 a.m., after many journalists had given up and gone to sleep, a resplendent light, the entire width of the mountain and the horizon rose up and undulated up and down for 10 minutes before stopping and going away. So just sort of like this bouncing light behind the mountain. Yeah. And according to many of the attendees... It was a failure. They saw nothing. They were sleeping. It was just some lights behind. I don't know. Yeah. There's a wash. Sixto was incredibly hurt. Mm. He felt like not only had he disappointed his guides and somehow fucked up their messaging, Mm. he also disappointed the entire Rama ministry. Mm. So many people had also calling it a ministry. Yeah. It's uh, mm. Yeah. So many people had traveled so far away for nothing. People, there was international press. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had flew over there. Yeah. He knew he fucked up. He probably misread some of the communication in his human error. And some of the members, ones that he considered friends, just abandoned Rama that morning, which stung like a motherfucker because usually, like, they they get them all. They get all the sightings. Maybe they just outlived their usefulness for the CIA. I don't know. <laughs> the people that stayed... Sixto felt like they only stayed there just to comfort him in his hour of need. Oh, you know, you guys don't care about me. 
Buck up, Buttercup. Yeah. Or maybe those people stayed because they felt like something still might happen. It might. And it did. It did. The following night, they decided, let's just stay. Let's just see. After performing a bunch of yoga and chanting the word Rama, a UFO appeared on top of a distant mountain. Witnesses saw it shift left Mm. and right above the mountain peak. It was cigar shaped. Mm. One side red, one orange. Then it disappeared behind the same mountain that the resplendent light had appeared above the night prior. Aliens playing peekaboo. Yeah. Some of the journalists who had left in the morning just had this gut feeling. I think we got to turn around and go back. But as they were nearing where the Rama people were, they were stopped by a river that that morning had like not even been there. What? Yeah. Interesting. So they're just like sitting in their rented car. They can't go any further. They can't go back to the site where everybody else is. But they see this UFO jumping over the mountains like a ping pong ball. Mm. Then it just disappears. Mm. And then it reappears and it spins around like a dreidel or like a top. Space Jews. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It just spins around for five minutes and then it disappears again. And uh, yeah, they're not able to get back to the Rama people. So they just go to this nearby village, San Bartolo. Mm. And it's like they're like the UFO is waiting for them there. Yeah. This time it's just floating above the water, moving Mm. around as if it's sort of playing around. And they film it for 20 minutes and then leave triumphantly. So now, for all of the pain that he experienced the just yeah. earlier that day, the abandonment, the shame, the, yeah, yeah. the guilt, now Sixto's happy. Because this is confirmation from the Rama guides that they really do exist. You just gotta, gotta have faith. Even if we don't include this in the episode, there's a news... Like, we can watch the yeah. news broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It includes some footage of the lights. So how about that video? Yeah, so we just watched a a news report from this time. Uh, we're not going to play it because it's in Spanish, but I'll put the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are subtitles on it. Yeah. Um, real strange. Yeah, there is definitely video of some strange moving lights in the sky. Yeah. Or moving in ways that are unique. That looked like flashlights on clouds until one of them turned into a giant fire, like red ball that was clearly within the clouds. Yeah. Yeah. And like other different colored lights and shit. Right. Odd. Odd for sure. Yeah. I almost wonder if like the first night it didn't work because there was too many people there that didn't believe in it. Like part of the human initiated contact event part is that everybody has to have a really shared intention. I think that there was too many people there participating in the spectacle rather than caring about the message. And this is when like the journalists had a gut feeling to come back and shit. So it was people that had a belief. Right. Yeah. Just looking up where Colonia Dad was, <laughs> mm. the um, the Nazi South America, ah. um, because you know, like Colonia Dignidad was in uh, Chile, mm-hmm. right below Peru, Andes Mountains. Yeah, because you know, it's really easy to make uh, sound uh, <laughs> like sound cannons and shit and mm-hmm. lasers and stuff. And um, Bob Monroe's right; you can use frequency to induce trance states, yeah, visionary states and shit. Also, which sounds like a CIA trick and was a CIA trick. And we know the CIA learned a lot of their shit from the fucking Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Is this 
a Nazi psyop. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think when you're standing in a group of people chanting and you go into that sort of like trance, like your brain goes into that state, yeah. that trance state, and there's all that chanting going on around you, and you're also participating it in it, but you've been doing it for so long that it's almost like an out-of-body experience for you. Yeah. And you go into that trance state that, yeah. and your brain goes into that trance frequency. Yeah. The sound of all those people around you and you having that sort of out-of-body experience. Because oh, yeah. When you meditate I, for a long time, you like kind of go out of body. Sure. I imagine that all of that sound around you might start sounding like this loud, buzzing, crazy sound when you shift into that that state like if you've ever been almost falling asleep and then heard a, a weird sound or a loud sound well i wasn't even saying like then and there because like there's also lights and shit that they mm -hmm. got videos of <sighs> this is going way out <laughs> no like say it was nazi psyop here's how it would work it would be the corroborated experiences they'd get they'd get one person over here Mm -hmm. They'd get one person over there, and by get them, I mean like blast shit into their fucking. Yeah. And then they'd corroborate. They give them the message to go meet at the fucking place. They all start chanting the circle. But these are all telepathic messages. So how are they like? Unless they're beaming thoughts into their brain. Buhark. That's what he was working on. Yeah. But Whether there's also it, the whole backstory of you know his dad's near death experience and their family's interest and. Like, I know, and like it will fall apart at some point. Like I'm not necessarily hanging my hat on this. Yeah. But you could it's argue, fun. you could argue that Sexto was just a perfect candidate, right? Raised in a household of all this. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just asking questions. Yeah. I just, I don't see anything like malicious. Distracting people from actually taking control of their world. Like that is, that would be the fourth Reich as it, as it, as it were like they're just a bunch of nerds like meditating this yeah they're getting but like i'm saying if this like if it was like what the what the fourth reich would do yeah would be to create complacency right that's way more useful than than something out than like the angry nazi we think of it's complacency yeah. right like that's the most right yeah this whole oh if we believe hard enough this magical other world will show up but it is though it is showing up fucking nazis with flashlights are showing up <laughs> We don't know that. No, we don't. We don't at all. It's just, I just have a problem with certain parts of this. And it like, it always makes me just very paranoid and very suspicious. Well, it's probably because uh, Sixto had read a bunch of theosophy shit. Like he knows about the, the masters. Well, he knows yeah, about yeah. all this stuff. No, so for it's, sure. It's kind of just like the great white brotherhood. It's all sunk into his brain. So of course it's being reflected in the yeah. trans messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is, it is that stuff. It is connected to Nazi stuff because that's also well, yes, what yes. LA latched yes, onto. Yes. But so. then of course, with those lights and that footage, there is another intelligence. Yes. Right? Yeah. Something is going on there. And Either is that trickery or. Right. Either someone's doing some tricking. Yeah. Or it's the Space Brothers or it's something or it's the phenomenon. Right. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of things yeah. to suggest that it's the phenomenon as well. We don't know. You know, like yeah, that's truly don't know. It's just a line of thinking that I enjoy going down. It's a fun one. Yeah. I enjoy it too. It's good to explore things from different angles. Herman hermeneutically. Yes. <laughs> hermeneutically. Yes.
1990, Sixto received a message from the guides telling him it was time to shut down Mission Rama as an organization because what is this organization stuff? It's it's not about having members. Yeah. It's about all of humanity. Yeah, yeah. So when speaking of it later, he would refer to it as Mission Humanity. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. At least that's what I read in this book from 2018 about contactees. Okay. Uh, Really, other sources said that enthusiasm for him within the group was waning because he was no longer considered a good antenna. Mm. Their term for, you know, an active message receiver. Yes. Curious. Yeah. (laughs) But before Sixto departed from the group, which he really didn't because he still has an active website. He's still like selling all these books. His... Really, what he should have done has been a sci-fi writer and, like, put all of these theosophical concepts and shit into a crazy, like, eight-book Game of Thrones-style something. I don't know. Like, do that instead. Because what his cosmology of Earth and the history of the cosmos is fucking insane. So if it was approached from a more fictionalized point of view, I think he would even have more success with getting people to read it and internalize those ideas. Yeah. Anyway... He decides to go out with a bang. Hell yeah. Because uh, in 1990, a select group of elites go on a dangerous mission to the jungle. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little on the nose, but you know, run, you, you're running through the jungle, you gotta play run through the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's not talking about a very different jungle. Yeah. A very different time. <laughs> Actually, not a very... 1990, multiple Rama activists had received the message that a major encounter was going to take place, but this time it wouldn't occur in Chilka. I think there was some like... Don't put this in the episode. Sure. Some like dictatorship or war going on in Peru at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of Rama members ended up going to the United States because of the conflict in Peru. And so they're not they're not going to Chilka. They're not going to the desert. This is also the exact time that the CIA was fucking around in South America. Hmm. (laughs) Well, this time they were doing a lot of fucking around in South America. This would be so fucking funny if the CIA directed this group of people to go search for Paititi. They've done dumber shit. Which is like a a lost legend, like legendary Incan city of like riches that, you know, like, my God. But that's where they got to go. They got to go. And it's supposedly it's uh, on the eastern slopes of the Andes Mountain. That's where they they're going to just go there. And of course, there's no roads to Paititi. 
It doesn't fucking exist, which I didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know until after I wrote this. I was just like reading the story and I was like, oh, okay. They're trying to go to Paititi. That must be sure. a place I've never heard yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. It's almost Ink and Ruin or something, right? Yeah. Like, fuck if I know. I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. So I they're going to go to Paititi in the, in the rainforest and which is, you know, populated by indigenous people who, you know, aren't very friendly to other people, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it doesn't exist? Paititi, they're going to go look for it. Okay. That's where they're supposed to go. And I guess, you know, they're on a spiritual journey. Yeah. Like, led by interdimensional higher beings that are trying to move our Earth into a new timeline so that all of the galaxy can upgrade. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. The only way to get there is on foot. Mm. So they have to trek through dense forests full of poisonous plants, <laughs> insects, snakes, and the special individuals chosen for the mission would have to face treachery they'd never seen before because mm. these are city folks. They're yes. in the middle of absolutely nowhere, crossing rivers infested with six-foot-long alligators. Fucking going into the goddamn episode. Yeah. Only six individuals would be chosen to go, and they would be selected by the Hermanos Mayores via a series of telepathic communications and automatic writing. Of course, everybody wanted to go. Yeah. It should be stated very clearly. If you go walking in the rainforest, solid chance you die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not real. And it's going to be bad, too. And it's like, so you're going to go to have see another encounter? What do you think you're going to... Yeah, you're going to see the aliens again. They exist. Now what? You could be now what real are you going to do? I mean, I guess they're going to find the lost city. I mean, that'd be fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's see, like, that's why I, I get it. You're it's just with a bunch of your pals going on these crazy adventures. I get it. You know? Yeah. Like looking for this mystical. It's like when why dudes go camping in the woods to look for Bigfoot. You know, it's just an excuse to all hang out together and go camping and and do something. together. Yeah, definitely. So when the question is posed, who wants to go to a general meeting in Peru where there's 200 people there, mm. every single hand goes up. <laughs> Everybody's willing, but only the chosen could go. Mm. So like if for some reason one of the people wasn't able to attend, one of the chosen six, no yeah. substitutions. I feel like this is it's like some fucked up Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Only those chosen by the Space Brothers, would be welcomed on the journey. And we know this because of this guy, Dr. Fernando Limico, mm. who's a retired dental surgeon who became, like, kind of the de facto Peruvian leader of the San Francisco area Rama group after Sixto stepped down. He's San Francisco or Peruvian? He's from Peru, but moved to San Francisco. Okay. And yeah, yeah. set up base there. So he's on the trip, and Sixto's there, too. Okay. Apparently, the only food they brought with them was rice and beans because they felt confident that they could get other food from nature. So they're still not good at camping. Yeah. Wow, that's real dumb. Yeah, it's really fucking dumb. That's real stupid. They're also like, they're not skilled woodsmen. Right. They're woefully underprepared, often incredibly exhausted. But again, they think that there's these like, these masters, these guides, they're literally heavenly otherworldly beings that are here to guide us into betterment. Like they are the most positive, full of light, uplifting yeah. things that you could imagine. So of course they think that they're protected. Right, right. They think that they are. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think they go run through the fucking jungle. Yeah, exactly. So they, they push through thanks to their belief of being protected. And um, walk by faith. Yeah. While the rice and beans might have provided their bellies with sustenance, daily prayer and meditation fed their souls. Mm. They're doing the Rama. <laughs> yeah. They're on a crazy mission. And of course, they imagined that what they were doing was the most important thing any of them could possibly do. And that somehow right. this information would like change the world and that they were going to get the answers from these space brothers as to what what to, what to do next. Yeah. What to do next. They're like on this crazy scavenger hunt. No, they're stuck in the labyrinth. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're having fun. They're, they're doing something with their lives, which is having a good time together and going on adventures. But they're not really saving the world. Until they get gangrene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Limico, he brought a video camera along with them. He charged up all the batteries. Yeah. Um, they don't really bother to turn it on or do anything with it for a few days until they, you know, get closer mm. to their destination. You know, you got to save the batteries for when you get to the lost city. Yeah, yeah. But um, when he decides to check it just to see how it is, all the batteries are dead. Hmm. And this thing is heavy. So they decide to just bury it under a tree. And they're like, we'll come back for it later. I don't know if they ever went back for it. Yeah, that'll work after you get buried in the rainforest. Yeah, right. There's just some, <laughs> I like to think that there is just some old video camera. Buried yeah. In the, Maybe in the some jungle. interesting tapes out there. Yeah. For the first part of their journey, they hired, they did hire a guide. Oh, to be that guide. Yeah. Oh, my God. I want to hear this story from his perspective. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, what did he think when they were like, we need you to take us to Paititi? He thought, that'll cost extra. Yeah. Yeah. So, they have to bring along a bunch of machetes to cut paths for themselves. Yeah. And after several days of hacking away, their guide just stops. And he's like, listen, I'm not going any further. Neither should you. <laughs> Beyond this point, there are people who eat people. <laughs> so the Rama guys are, they're disappointed. They discuss their options. I it's wonder if like, he was just sick of hacking through the jungle. Yeah, he was just like, I, we're, we're, we're going nowhere. Yeah. I don't, how long is this lasting? Yeah, this is stupid. Yeah, so mission Rama, fuck the guide. We'll go it alone. <laughs> Oh, no. After this, their physical stamina is just decreasing by the day. Someday, they're so stupid. They're so <laughs> exhausted. They don't even bother to cook dinner. Instead, they just, they would cuddle all together in a in a pile in the tent. A fucking cuddle puddle? Yeah. Oh, my God. It must have smelled horrible. One evening, they were so tired. Instead of going in the tent, they just, like, throw themselves on the sand in a pile all mushed together. And they wake up and there's a bunch of snakes that had slithered around them. Like a bunch of snakes are, have sort of joined their pile. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Sounds right. But they're safe. Nothing happens. And of course, you know, there's a bunch of rivers and streams for bathing and drinking. But of course, there's snakes in there, too. And parasites. And parasites. Holy and shit. Gators and like, so they they discuss what, what are we going to do if someone gets injured or sick? Well, if one or more of them became sick or wounded, the supplies would be left with the casualties. Those who could still go on would do so without the others and <laughs> promise to come back. Fortunately, never ended up being relevant. That's in that is incredible. Yeah. So what about those supposed cannibals? Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. But we do know that the historically indigenous people had 
bad relations with the European influenced population of Peru. Yeah. Encroachment on their hunting ground, forestry operations. Yeah. A lot of mutual suspicion and hostility. Yeah. One day they're passing through the territory of these people and this big dugout canoe approaches them. There's a bunch of hunters inside it with bows and arrows and Mm. they're all scared. But these hunters are not hostile. In fact, they they volunteer to help guide them on their mission. Oh, this way to Paititi. They're the CIA. Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Limaco believes that the hunters had been given telepathic messages by the ETs to go seek them out. Like, it was destined. Sure. It's part of the mission. Right, right. Yeah. So in an act of solidarity, one of the hunters insisted that Limaco take his hunting bow as a peace offering. This is a part of the story. Yeah, like, he is making that shit up. That's fucking, no, no, you you don't get to do that. You don't get to write that for yourself. Yeah. So as the Rama contactees got closer and closer to Paititi, their spirits rose and the telepathic communications became clearer. At night, they would all gather around the campfire and carry out their concentration exercises, achieving profoundly peaceful states and the message that everything would be okay. Yeah. there yeah yeah i mean i can't I, you know. yeah it works just the same yeah yeah so one night on their jungle trek every single member of the team has an out-of-body experience where they're taken aboard on this large craft so that morning they're all like super happy because they know that that's probably a sign that there's not much further to go yeah yeah that morning they arrive in paititi <laughs> They got there. And there's like no description of it whatsoever. The story is so vague. Mm. Of course, it is like a guy remembering another guy telling a story to him like years later and writing it down. Seems like a thing you'd remember. Yeah. Yeah. They arrive in Paititi. And unless he didn't bother looking up Paititi either and doesn't know that it's. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and there. You know, right above, hovering above a clearing in the jungle, there's that large craft from their dream the night before, their collective dream that they all had. And this blue tractor beam transports each of the members (gasps) one by one into the, why does it say governing ship twice? What was with that? Yeah, what'd you do? (laughs) One by one into the ship. When they're all in there, they learn that the E.T. group hosting them was known as the Great White Brotherhood. Fuck you. Just theosophy shit. I mean, it's, it's, come on. But, yeah, I know. Theosophists weren't great either. (laughs) No, I know. Like, they just, okay. But, yeah. Yep. Apparently, it's because they all wore white robes, you know, the Book of White, what what was it, the Book of White Robes? Book of White Robes, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the Brotherhood, like, congratulates them all on how awesome they are and how important this mission is. And, you know, they're like, guys, just so you know, this whole transformation upgrade process, it's not just happening on Earth. There's a bunch of ET civilizations that are watching Earth because apparently we're a spiritual dynamo. Really? Yeah. Sad for the universe. And once we achieve our massive expansion in human consciousness, there's going to be a psychic energetic boost to every single civilization who's assisting us. Mm. Very mutually beneficial. Sounds like vampires. 
So when we take our spiritual leap, they too will be lifted into their next rung of spiritual evolution. They're helping us and we're helping them. One hand washes the other. Yeah. But regretfully, that's all the information I have about the mission to Paititi. Like, so what then? How'd you get out? What What next? I am, um, I guess, disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. Hmm. So as time went by, you know, Sixto takes a backseat. Other people sort of take up the wrong carrier on the name. Yeah. There's, in fact, a, you know, there's a bunch of different Mission Rama groups all around the world going by the Rama name. So, of course, all of these different groups are bound to have splintering beliefs over the passage of time. There's a bunch of people that begin to establish contacts with other beings from Ganymede and like yeah. and other worlds associated with it. We're building on the it's the extended universe. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We're getting more fan fiction. Absolutely. There's Apu in Alpha mm. Centauri, Serpicon in Andromeda, and Zelox. Some fun name. Zelox is an antidepressant. Yeah. Mission Rama goes on. Doctor Fernando. No, 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 no. Zelox is. Zelox is knockoff Pepto Bismol. Yeah. Yeah. Mission Rama goes on. Dr. Fernando Limica became the leader of the San Francisco Bay Rama Network. Mm. And as a group, they purchased a piece of land in Northern California where they could stage more of their human initiated contact events. They called this land Shasta. Not near, it's not anywhere near Mount Shasta. Right. It's just called Shasta. Okay. Yeah. And in 1994, yet. Another major contact event takes place, this time at Shasta. Mm. So I know about this all from uh, this website, contactunderground.wordpress.com. This guy, Sick. Joseph Burks, MD. He's a former doctor who's really into aliens, and he, he calls this all these different contact groups. He calls it the Contact Underground. Okay. Yeah. But in the 90s, Joseph Burks, he was a part of a Los Angeles CE5 team. So basically doing the same shit, just a different name, different group of people. Stephen Greer. Yeah. Yeah. Except not like, it's just a name for a method. I thought, yeah. I thought Stephen Greer came up with it. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. Another human initiated contact. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, their group, Joseph Burks had an interest in Rama because he had read an article about them in UFO Library Magazine in 1993. So just a year later, another member of the... L.A. group that Joseph was a part of. This guy. Mm. Captain Joe Vallejo. He's a United Airlines 747 pilot. Nice. He's also a member of Rama. He's got his fingers in a lot of different jars. Mm. He's, he's in all the contact groups. He decides to arrange for a meeting with the L.A. group to meet up with the Mission Rama group. And he hosts this meeting at his home. Because after all, we're all trying to contact aliens. We're getting hits. Shouldn't we get together and talk about this? So, um, yeah, when they're at Joe Vallejo's house and he's getting these two groups to meet, that's when uh, Dr. Limico comes and he's only speaking in Spanish. And yeah. uh, Captain Joe, he's providing translation. And that's when the whole Paititi story happens. Okay. So I know about the Paititi story from Joseph Burke's writing about his recollection of this Of Joe Vallejo translating. Translating. Okay, wow. Yeah. So Captain Joe Vallejo, active in both groups, probably other groups, he had taken the 10-hour drive to Shasta before, but Joseph Burke's, he'd have to wait 10 years to see it in person himself. Mm. The exact location of Shasta was kind of a big secret. 
Hmm. Instructions to get there were always given in person, never over the phone. The property is said to sit on the foothills of the Northern California Coastal Range. The closest house, half a mile away. That's not very far. It's not very far. It's not very far at all. In the 90s, a dirt road rolling through the hills was the only access. During the rainy season, four-wheel drive was required to navigate. The four-wheel, like, it's not a big deal. You're making it sound like it's so rural. And it's like, oh, a half a mile away, four-wheel drive. Like, yes. Yeah, no, like, I... I bought a Jeep Cherokee for 1100 bucks. It was a piece of shit, but it had four-wheel drive that worked really well. Yeah. I could have rolled up there. There's a stream that runs through the hills, and the, the hills are very steep. They're like 250 feet high. And all activities there are done exclusively in Spanish. Mm. So, Captain Joe tells Dr. Joseph a story about one night in 1994 at Shasta. It was August. Mm. On that night, they followed their usual contact preparations, uh, Light evening meal of fruit. In honor of the banana. Yes. Mm. <laughs> then they stood in a circle and chanted, Om. Om. And after chanting for a while, a faint violet light appeared in the field 20 yards away. From Shasta, you say? Yeah. Okay. It's called Shasta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. This uh, violet light hovered seven feet above the ground. How do we know how many feet above the ground it was? Or that just has to be part of the story. It has to be seven feet because seven, seven, seven. I mean, six, I mean, I guess six feet is pretty easy to dead reckoning. Yeah. To dead reckon. And uh, you can, you could, you could easily dead reckon a foot higher than like a tall dude, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. So this light is hovering above the ground and then it enlarges. It extends left, then goes right. Until it forms this doorway made out of violet light. Mm. They had opened a dimensional portal, a Zendro, just as Sixto Paswell had done in 1974 when he was transported to Moreland. Fucking Moreland. They got a violet Zendra. Yeah. Mm. At Shasta. In order to keep the door materialized, the group needed to keep chanting. Senor... Senior Rob member. <laughs> oh, <fuck>. I. <laughs> so good. <Fucking>. Wow. <laughs> Senior Rama members moved through the crowd and broke the group into seven groups, each with seven members. Mm. Each. <laughs> Each group would have an opportunity to briefly enter the Zendra and experience what it was like. Over the next hour, the groups would go into the portal while the crowd outside continued chanting Om throughout the entire thing. Captain Joe Vallejo's group was the last to enter, and the chanters were getting fatigued. Because chanting for an hour is hard. Yeah, it is. Talking for an hour is hard. It is. Yeah. He described the dimensional portal as being tight, like a crowded elevator. The walls were indistinct. I'm guessing that means like, what do you think when you hear that? And you imagine like a dark little elevator in, with indistinct walls. Like you can't just some, tell what they are. They're just some walls. Yeah. yeah. The only light in there is coming from the, the doorway. Yeah. And as soon as they enter it, it's like the chanting sound outside becomes muffled and quiet. It sounds like it might be underwater or something. Hmm. And also everything kind of slows down. Hmm. The chanting outside is getting less enthusiastic. Crowd's getting tired. Hmm. And the group inside this little elevator notice that the light is fading. The walls are becoming even more indistinct 
And Captain Joe was worried what might happen if the portal was to collapse with them inside of it. So was everyone else, quite frankly. So without exchanging a word, the seven of them just start to chant even louder and louder. Mm. And the violet light came back. Then they exited and the group was enchanted by the experience. And that's all the detail we have about that. Sick. I feel like they're like, that's cool. That's yeah. all very cool. I yeah, all like very cool. I'm getting a little bit blue balled. On, Cause like when Sixto went, uh-huh. he he exited. He was on a whole other planet. Yeah, like yeah, they just yeah. they got stuck in the elevator. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and you know if I knew more Spanish, you're working on it. I could probably talk about dozens more stories of contact experienced by Rama members throughout the world. Yeah, because there's a lot, and Mission Rama continues today. And, you know, Sixto Pazwell, his website is full of extraterrestrial theosophical nonsense. His cosmology is, if it was a sci-fi saga, it would be so cool. But presenting it like a real alternative history is like, I don't need all, all of that. Yeah, yeah. All of that. That's a lot. And there's this guy, Enrique uh, Villanueva. Who's a Rama guy? Mm. He's running around at the Consciousness Life Expo. Oh. And he's a hypnotist. Oh. Yeah, there's this other guy, Ricardo Gonzalez. He went on Demi Lovato's podcast. He's a Rama guy. Oh, good. So yeah, Mission Rama, it's still here. It never left. Mm. And it's kind of just like, it's a huge melting pot of all sorts of things we've talked about before. Yeah. And it's been around long enough to have become so many different things too. Yeah. I think also like... It become this way of life becomes addictive to people that really fall into it and well, yeah. really allow themselves to become like open to it. You know, it's like its own whole little reality away from reality that yeah, you can con- opt into. Confirmation bias is a hell of a drug. All these people have decided to opt into because yeah. it's a more fun reality than than the other one. Yeah, man. And when you're not sure if you've been wasting your life, like feels a lot better to go farther in. Than it yeah. does to uh, start working your way out. Right. You can just chant louder and the violet light will come back more. You know? Yeah. So Sixto's cosmology of Rama, like, I'm not going to, I can't explain all of it. It's Yeah, yeah. But just part of it, because this is just shows how convoluted it is. The 24 elders, right? Mm-hmm. They, uh, they know the council of the nine of Andromeda. And you're trying to act like I'm crazy for saying this is a CIA psyop. You're not. <laughs> I mean, Council I don't think it is, but I think that these I know. tools that the CIA could use. N- he, I, I'm doing a bit. Yeah. You know, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. But like the, the nine. The nine. You know, it's. To the Council it's just of hitting, Nine of Andromeda, which. It's hitting all the which, fucking beats. Oh, it is. Which forms the Council of 33. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then there's the, the Freemasonry tie-in. Yep. For everybody. 33 members. There you go. Paranoid people. Yep. There it is. I can't deny it. And then all of those together represent the great white brotherhood of the star. Of the star. Of the star, which is the tarot card. Yep. Um, and beneath- Hey, them, what's the last time we pulled something that on the nose? Mm. It was the nine, nine of wands. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Son of a bitch. So yeah, beneath the great white brotherhood of the star, there's the Elohim. Mm. You know, the architects, they're aliens from the Pleiades who manipulate evolution and time. And then below them are, you know, the guides, the masters who aid in planetary missions like the Rama one. And, you know, I don't know what they're, they talk to humans and make them feel useful and give their lives meaning in, in some convoluted way. I mean, a master, I'm going to kick his ass. Yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. 
Yeah. Mission Rama. <sighs> Project Rama. Project Rama. <laughs> <laughs> the star. All right. A lot of times it's easy to, and I enjoy doing this, you shit like blaming everything on the CIA for shorthand as like, oh, there's a hidden hand at work. Yes. Right. Uh, some people do it with the Freemasons. Some people do it with the Illuminati. Blah, 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 right. Some people do it with the masters. Some people do it with whatever the God. But I think that there is like, there is a sort of structure to the, the, to the phenomenon of experiencing the phenomenon. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all these things that keep coming up and some in ways that don't come up if it's just a game of make-believe, right? Like... Yeah. I think because these things are powerful symbols and stories. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of, a, like, I think trans states have a lot to do with it. I think that there's mm-hmm. the experience of trans states is, is real and then that gets used for maybe nefarious ends by cult leaders shit like that and that's yeah. not what this is right for me like, the star is kind of like the, gonna... like i said at the beginning the, to, the star is to me the idea that there is order and meaning in the universe to me it's like that that sigh of calmness and relief like because the star comes after the, the tower devil the tower death I think it, like is it after... right after what number is it well it's trump 17 it's uh right after the tower right it's, so yeah. it's after like a the star's been through a lot. Yeah. It's the devil, <laughs> if you which look at is the like. the fool's journey. Like, yeah. the star has overcome so much, and she is comfortable. She is naked. She is giving to the earth abundance. There's a mountain behind her, very powerful, grounded. There's a tree with a bird in it. Like, she is showing the world who she is, and she is proud of herself. Or maybe not. Maybe she, who knows? I think she's alone. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Because it, she's fulfilled. Yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily want to let these guys off the hook just because they're not. Oh, I don't think that it necessarily applies to them. I think yeah. that it might be imply what they're missing. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, like, Because the star has, she's giving, she's so giving. She's like pouring water into a stream and into a river. Like. Is that like, I mean, that very much strikes me as the sign of Aquarius. Yeah. The water bearer, right? Mm-hmm. And like... To, and I, it, to me, the star is like creative, giving, self-healing, transformative. It's transformative. It's not, I don't, it's not generous though. It's on the wrong side of, um, it's on the pillar of severity, right? It mm-hmm. connects the pillar of severity back down to Yasod. And it's like, it's the counterpoint to the sun. Yeah. They're on opposite sides, right? It's cold starlight. It is cold, but it's... That there is inherent meaning, even if you don't know what that meaning is. And that's like the devil is temptation towards destruction, which is the destruction of the or the temptation towards material world. And then the tower, which is the thing of material world you've built that comes crashing yeah. down. And then you're left with the cold starlight, realizing that there's this larger structure. I see her as maintaining balance. Too, yeah. In what she's doing. Yeah. You know. And like, I think the Ramasta is just a very well organized and successful UFO group, UFO yeah. religion. I, I don't know. Something happened to some of these people. Yeah. For sure. Don't know who did contact it. Don't know D what it group. is. Yeah. Yeah. Contact E group. It's, it's, in, it's interesting. I, I knew nothing about this until Me we started uh, talking. Yeah. And definitely fits into our 
pantheon of episodes. Oh God, very much so. It hits all the beats. Yeah. I now I want to download Duolingo again, learn Spanish because I want to. I mean, there's a lot of Spanish language stuff that I'd like mm-hmm. to be able to read. Yeah, it was very serendipitous that I st- like started doing you know, that right when I was researching this, and I'm like, oh. Also, good reminder to us native English speakers, and especially us that are surrounded by other native English speakers and we don't need to necessarily learn any other language, that there's a whole world, whole world of experiences and plots and shit. Yes. And like, I'm only blaming CIA because South America in like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I mean, come on. Yeah. But there's a whole wide world of very strange experiences that aren't necessarily so um, Amerocentric or like... Well, this is America, South America. <laughs> yeah. You know, United States centric, um, Anglo centric, even, which could also be another interpretation of the star. Indeed. Yeah. Well, yeah. There you have it. That was very fun. It was. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. Well, if you guys enjoyed that too, enjoy what we do. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Nonsense Bizarre on Twitter at The Nonsense Bizarre on Instagram. We're on there too. We're on all of them Sequoia, Kennedy, Will Truman. And we have a Patreon. That we do. We do. Get bonus episodes. Get, uh, I don't know if they're going to be monthly or we'll be doing regular live streams and stuff and uh, more stuff as it uh, as it goes on. And it's only five bucks a month to get access to everything over there and really appreciate it. And thank you to everyone who supported us so far. Thank you to everyone who's listened, told their friends, told their space brothers. Told Shirley MacLaine. <laughs> yeah, you tell her again. I think she forgot. Yeah, I think she, she might like this episode. Is she dead? I don't know doesn't matter she she, up she's and- still here <laughs> yeah all right guys she was reincarnated as trisha paytas's baby <laughs> uh all right guys take care take care peace out oh.